All I know is I'm here today, I'm healthy, and I use medical cannabis, and I'm thankful. I achieved complete clinical remission from the cannabis alone, and I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. This child needs cannabis. I'd take a hit, and the pain would disappear. It was instant. I mean, instant. I've always looked at cannabis as being medicine. People say you get high. You don't get high, you get medicated. I'd like to see it so that, you know, people aren't criminalized over something that's medicinal. It's a God-given plant. We should all be able to use it. It's real medicine. Medication. Your medication makes me high. Just be patient. I'm like a patient trying to find levitation. Run your fingers down my spine. Such a short way up and such a long way down And this is a bubble like where they are right down The way you're something off it off your way by pound In a fields of marijuana that is my playground I love you Mary Jane You're the prettiest of flowers girl, me can't complain When I'm with you I feel so high, I rise above the rain Are you know the people damage like that bitch cocaine? No, April 12th of 2018 was a historic day for hemp. Senator McConnell introduced uh, the promised bill. The promised bill was to take hemp out of Controlled Substances Act and into the United States Senate. The measure represents the most audacious attempt yet to make hemp a mainstream crop after four decades of prohibition. McConnell stood before the Senate Thursday and asked his colleagues to empower American farmers to explore this promising new market. Today is Saturday. There are other topics that we need to discuss. We will do that the second half hour of this show today. But today, more significantly for for us as individuals in this country, we do have progress on this front for medication for self-help for the for the VA to to use uh, remedies for our soldiers who return from our whatever it is that we have going on today my guest is uh, Jim Strang with with the uh, Green Acres Hemp Farm and today we're going to discuss what this means for our hemp industry for our medical marijuana industry Jimbo it's good to hear you again, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great, Fred. How you doing? Man, uh, there's just so much news and so many things going on today. It's really uh it's really an easy day to host a radio show. But the first things first, you and I had spoke the other day before our uh president decided to uh to launch an attack against Syria. But uh I think this is important. I think that that as things go, uh, a change in something that's been in place for 40 years is more significant than probably things that we do every year, uh, give or take a few months. You know, um, there was another bill that was also passed uh, in the uh, House of Representatives. The, uh, it was a, uh, uh, I guess they call it a um, uh, 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 parallel bill because 
because this bill has to pass both the Senate and the House. In my mind, this means that this is going to come to a head pretty quickly. Have you heard anything rumbling or anything going on in the hemp industry about how this is going to take place, or is it still going uh, kind of uh, 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 stealth? Well, I'm telling you, this is this is going to be pretty much the best opportunity, I think, that we're going to have to uh, get hemp legalized here in the United States. Um, it's a wonderful thing, you know, all the issues we have with the hemp industry. We can't get bank accounts. Uh, there's there's so much talk out there. It's illegal to send CBD through the mail, and they want to put it on scheduled one with heroin and you know, it's it's really crazy, but I I think I think we're there. I think uh, I think that the people have spoken. I I think that uh, this is going to be it. I don't know how long it's going to take to get this done, but this is definitely a big step in the right direction for sure. Well. Jimbo, uh, I, while I was researching some information about uh, about these two house bills, uh, the announcement that uh, that uh, uh, Speaker ex Speaker Bonner, who had opposed legalization uh, just a few years ago, has now decided to change his mind, and now he represents a uh, a holding company that has. Uh, 11 uh, or 35 patents or 35 uh, licenses over 11 U.S. states to to grow and produce marijuana and hemp. Uh, and, and that's really suspicious to me because, well, Bonner uh, represented uh, the groups that, uh, that opposed uh, hemp, and one of the major groups that he opposed or that he represented, and he is a lobbyist for, was uh, RJR, or R.J. Reynolds Corporation, the tobacco grower. Does this look like mm-hmm. a move to for the big tobacco companies to move into the, uh, to the newly, or the, what will soon be legalized marijuana and hemp industry? Boy, you know, I would think they would want a part of it. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that, but... Uh, if it becomes legal, they take it off scheduled one, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people um, taking their place in the industry for sure. You know, and I just hope it doesn't get to where they, they push all those little guys out and, you know, and uh, they go and do it all themselves. But uh, I do know that uh, the little guys probably are the ones that have the best product. <laughs> because we're doing it right, you know. So um, who knows when you let people get a hold of it, the government, all that, pharmaceuticals, what are they going to do to it? What What's the price is going to go to? It's just ridiculous. So um, let's hope that that doesn't happen. And uh, Well, you know, Jimbo, I don't, I, I don't think this news really bodes well for the small farmer. I think this is... This is the announcement by the mainstream media that uh, people like Boner, uh, and also he he joins the former Massachusetts Governor William Weld uh, as an advisor to the on the board for Acreage uh, Acreage Holdings, which is the company that yep. they're working for. Uh, he's joined with them on the bar on the uh, on the board of directors for this company, and in my mind. What this company's doing in essence is 
is paying to play. When they hire these mainstream guys to represent them, they're paying to play in this new game that's coming up. And I think a lot of what we we see in the news and media uh, with these wars, these weapons, all this stuff seems to cover up a lot of the the manipulations and the moves by large uh, industrial complexes. The tobacco industrial complex is moving into hemp. I think, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. You, you, you're working in the trenches right now, and have been for over seven years. And you've you've personally been involved in this for quite a while. We've suffered the slings and arrows of this, and now that the time has came, we we as as as, as consumers consumers of this medicine uh, are beginning to realize now that we've been tooled for the last forty years or eighty years, actually. How are you seeing this uh, among your uh, your customers, people that use your product? Because I'm I'm one of your customers too, and and I know that I've I've what I've seen is is a lot of a lot of misinformation by a lot of people about uh, hemp, about the uh, CBD, and about uh, THC. Uh, do you think that this will bring out a, a more more education, or do you think it's going to be like a lot of other industrial complexes? It's going to be a, a take over a position and then just keep us in the in the dark about uh, what what they're doing. Yeah, well, I hope that doesn't happen. You know, I mean, uh, I know what customers, our customer base that we've had over the last three years now, um, are definitely impressed with our product. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, I, I have heard through the grapevine, I don't know how true it is, that they're trying to figure out a way to where they don't get overwhelmed with the hemp and, and marijuana industry. So they want to, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they don't want everybody just to jump in and start doing it. You know what I'm saying? So um, I don't know how that's going to happen. I sure hope it doesn't cut out the little guys and these big guys come in with the money and, and say, you know, you're out and this is what we're going to do and that's the way it's going to be. Um I do know that, like I said, it's hard to get any kind of uh, for funding on like our website. And want to take credit cards for us, a merchant or anything like that. I've talked to a few, and you know they want they want five point nine percent of your of your uh, profits plus thirty five cents every transaction. It's five hundred dollars to sign up, and then they won't even take you on unless your company's bringing in twenty thousand a month, which what is just yeah, is just ridiculous. And that's just, I think, a way like you're saying is a way to cut us out because we. Don't who was that who who was that? Who was that that said that? This is uh, Fort. Uh, oh, I got the paperwork up at the house, but it, it's a uh, CBD. It's it's for taking payments on our website um, for for a merchant, so people can pay with uh, credit cards. Otherwise, we have to have people send us checks. Um, right, right, and, right. Uh, you know now. Now, PayPal, we did go through it with them. Um, they they didn't want to keep us on, but what they made us do is take all of our ingestibles off our website, and all we can sell is topicals, uh, lip balms, and stuff like that if we're going to take payments. Um, so we're still fighting that. So I'm hoping, hoping that this passes and we can move forward with banking and taking credit cards, and, and they won't overpower us and, and the money people will take over you know well you know the money people are trying the same thing with the arms industry too uh i understand that bank of america and Citibank have both said that they will not uh 
uh, operate for uh, arms manufacturers anymore. So they're trying to manipulate uh, our constitutional rights. The same as <laughs> the same as these these. Uh, they're else. trying. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jimbo, how do you, you do know, that then? If do. if somebody calls you up and says, "I need uh, I need to uh, order some of your uh, olive oil pills," uh, how do you do that? I mean, do you have to order that? Do they have to send you a check, or can they? Can they? Yeah, uh, we have people sending us checks right now, and uh, we're just running them through through our bank, and um, we don't know what else to do at this point. I mean, PayPal at any given day could say, "No, we're actually totally done with you," you know. And, and our markets start next month, and, and there's just no way we'll be able to take credit cards. Um, mm-hmm. And that is going to take a lot of our business away because people, you know, we run into a lot of people here that are on vacation. They don't carry cash. People have credit cards. And what kind of country is this? Cable, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of country is this when, 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 when the people that are controlling our commerce are the banks? Yep. That, you know, it does, doesn't matter you know, if, they had the same issue with e-cigarettes a few years ago, you know, and they, they, nobody would give them, a, you know, would let them have websites and pay with credit cards, and they they got through that. So hopefully, this uh, 2018 hemp hemp bill, you know, will uh, will get us through this and, and get us to where we can start having bank accounts and taking have people take us for credit card payments and not charge us an arm and a leg. You know, I think that's just taking advantage of the situation and making it worse. Well, Jimbo, uh, the the name of the bill is the Hemp Farming Act of 2018, uh, and it has numbers. It's Senate Bill number 2667, or S2667. That's the Senate bill. And the uh, mirror bill for the House of uh, Representatives uh, is called uh, H.R., uh, let's see, I've got that here somewhere. It's uh, <laughs> I've lost that. But anyway, there is a mirror bill going alongside. It's HR fifty four eighty five. That's what it is. HR fifty four eighty five. These bills are important to get this through the industry. From what it looks like to me, this thing's going to happen pretty quick. Yeah, they're they're talking like uh, I think they dated on there on this uh, paper that I I got in my email the hemp association like april 18th it's supposed to really hit harder so hopefully they'll start uh getting this done and uh we can get this all passed but i I do know that even like with the marijuana industry i heard that they're going to uh, each state start making up their own laws and they're not going to come in and start messing with that as well uh, that's well rumor that i've heard I, I, it looks to me like it's the same thing that's happened in industry everywhere. A large industry has a tendency not to, not to pay for development and creative thinking or, or hard work. They're more in line to, to buy people out. This thing with Boner and the, uh, the mayor from uh, Massachusetts looks to me like uh, these people are actually there to negotiate uh, a buyout with that company, especially Boner having been associated so close, closely with uh, with uh, R.J. Reynolds. You know, with big companies like that. Have you have you seen any of that happening in Colorado? People positioning themselves to sell to larger corporations, and would and if that happened, would you be interested in selling to a larger corporation? <laughs> um, 
you know, we do pretty good with what we do. Um, I, I don't want to get, I don't, I don't think I want to get involved with all that. I think I want to keep doing what I'm doing, um, mom and pop, and just keep treating the people and helping and just move forward with our business. I, I get calls every day, people wanting to buy biomass, they want ice, which this and that, you know, and, and, and we just don't source anything from the outside or do we sell anything to anybody besides what we do for our products. Um, right. Maybe in the future, I'll, you know, I might grow more and hook up with somebody that's like us who just needs products to make products, you know, needs our, our hemp product to make their products, but... Uh, I'm not sure if we're white label and all that or not, we're, but we are definitely on the right road, what we're doing right now. So, well, you, I don't want you to make primarily, <laughs> you, you've been, you've been doing a lot of research that, that nobody's been doing, uh, in the last three or four years. You planted, uh, one of the, or the only industrial hemp stand that I've ever seen, or for most people for that matter, uh, you know, those, those big 15 foot, uh, hemp plants are amazing, but, does the industry that they're creating with this farm bill, do you think it's more towards uh, towards supplemental, uh, towards uh, the fiber? Uh, you know, hemp fiber, and one of the primary investors in the hemp industry in Colorado was Dixie Corporation, and Dixie Corporation manufactures paper plates. Hemp would be a wonderful yeah. product for paper plates. Uh, all the oh statistics... <laughs> yeah, all the statistics for uh, paper product uh, hemp way way outdistances uh, the efficiency of uh, for production for paper than does uh, wood products. And you know, to me, it seems like that that stand of uh, of uh, plants that you uh, grew a couple years ago is is the direction of this farm bill. It's it's and and yeah. if it's I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. no I, but uh, I think you're right. I think it's going to go industrial way, but you know right now with the CBD and what it's doing for people taking away inflammation and pain, I think you're going to see a lot more of that at first. Um, and like we've discussed, the problem with the industrial is there's no processing. So, um, you know, we had that 200-horsepower, 16-foot header on that tractor, and that dang hemp, we got into that field, and it just locked that tractor up. That's and tough stuff. That's tough stuff, yeah. So, But I think it's going to go that way. Um, I've got probably 200 pounds of industrial hemp seed put away, so I'm ready. Is uh, Adam State University there in uh, San Luis Valley, are they still working towards a program for uh, industrial hemp? This would this would certainly be a, a helpful to those people there if, if this bill passes. Yes, and what I've heard is, well, they're doing research and development, so they're they're a little more at ease with what they're doing, but it definitely would help. Um, I've heard they got a hold of 20 metric tons of seed last year, and they're trying right, to right. We, the we, farmers we, around here. Yeah, we had talked about that. Right, um, right. It's supposed to be some really fine that. Afghani hemp, too, isn't it? That's what I've heard, um, but the way they're trying to do things, from what I understand, is you're trying to sell it to the farmer, but you can't. You can't take the genetics. You have to. I think they want profits from it and everything else. So I'm not quite sure where they're going with that yet. But if that is the case, that's going to be a little difficult, for sure. Jimbo, we got to stop for the. Com- 
We have to stop for this commercial break right now. This is Captain Fred, Republic Broadcasting Network, April the 14th of 2018. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Your medication makes me high. Just a passion. I'm like a patient trying to find levitation. Run your fingers down my spine. Elevation. Your medication makes me high. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. As a listener of RBN, you're surely concerned about being informed and being ready for whatever may come. Please consider the following questionnaire as a soul-jarring wake-up call. If you answer no to more than two of these following questions, you probably aren't going to make it through any major disruption in our country. The questions were compiled by people that have been there. Are you really ready? Do you own your own firearm for the primary defense and protection of you and your loved ones? Have you ever been professionally trained to stand against life-threatening behavior? Have you ever practiced enough to fire 500 rounds during a two- to four-day time frame, day and night? Can you load, unload, fire, and clear a jam in total darkness? Have all the adults in your household been professionally trained? Are you, life and death, comfortable with your abilities with pistol, revolver, shotgun, and rifle? Are you aware that everything that you do to prepare for an emergency is a waste of time, money, and energy? If you haven't honed your abilities to their highest level to protect and keep what you have, do you have the repair parts that will most likely be needed for each of your firearm, and do you have the ability to install those parts? Could you completely clean every firearm you own? Are you aware that your body won't go where your mind hasn't been? In other words, without proper training, followed by regular practice, you probably will not win a gunfight. Well, how did you measure up? Take the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to start correcting your deficiencies by receiving your Commander Lifetime Membership with Front Sight Firearms Training Facility. A one-time donation to RBN for $500 will give you a Commander Lifetime Membership at Front Sight as a tremendously huge thank you bonus. See details on RBN's webpage to make it happen. The clock is ticking. You had better be ready before it happens. Welcome back. 
This is Captain Fred. Uh, we're discussing the, the potential legalization of hemp in the United States today. I have Jim Strang with GreenAcresHempFarm.com on uh, the line right now. We've got a couple callers. We're splitting the show today in two halves. I'm not sure we have time to take all the callers today. Uh, Jimbo, uh, would you like to take a caller? Let's talk about hemp a little bit. Sure. Okay, okay, we got uh, Chuck on the line right now, on line one. Uh, Chuck, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, what guys, you got to uh, say, just, buddy? A, just a suggestion. We really need to uh, ramp up the um, information that hemp is not marijuana. And it's been a long time since I really looked at that situation, but it was all about protecting, I can't remember whether it was the lumber industry or whatever, where they lumped right, uh, right. hemp in with it just to destroy it. You know, as a as a product, but we really need to try and separate. Make sure when somebody says marijuana and hemp in the same sentence, you correct them instantly. Well, Chuck, what happened uh, in 1937 when Harry Enslinger decided to to try to use uh, hemp as a target for his new uh, new direction for the Federal Narcotics Bureau? He included everything because he needed a lot of money to be able to finance his organization jimmo and i have 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 talked about uh the differences between hemp and and between marijuana before but jimbo hemp for the most part is the sativa strain isn't it and 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 of course the uh the uh marijuana is the indica strain isn't it well, no, marijuana, there is an indica strain and there is a sativa strain. Um, the difference, how you can tell the difference between the two plants is the sativa strain will be like a longer, skinnier leaf. The plant will be, won't be as filled out, a little more stringier. Uh, indica plants have big, fat leaves. They fill out full, a much better plant. Um, and actually, that's the, the CBD I was growing, I was growing out of two, was a sativa um, strain, and now I've actually got a hold of an indica CBD strain, and the plants are, I mean, instead of getting a quarter pound off a plant when it's done, now I'm getting a pound off a plant, so, um, but it is, uh, in the marijuana industry, uh, indica plant is a much more laid-back, um, couch high, where, uh, sativa plant is more of a get-up-and-go, um, Well, today, especially, there are so many hybrids that are coming out between, that are crosses between uh, uh, the solid sativa and the indica strain that uh, it's really difficult to, to draw that line anymore. The most important thing that it needs is. to be understood, the, the most important thing that needs to be understood is that, that, that hemp can be grown with very little THC in it. Yes, and I see this bill. They were talking about bringing up the THC levels um, up to 1%, but I see they're going to keep it at the 0.3%. Um, but, yeah, there is, like, no, there's no THC in the hemp plants whatsoever, and we get all our testing done. We did 30 different tests on our products. We send people down for DOT physical drug tests because they test for more than regular jobs, and we've never had anyone flunk any of our tests taking, ingesting, or, um, you know, put topically on their skin. So, See, that's, uh, that's my point. We need to point out. That's my point. We need to point out to people that, you know, marijuana, get high marijuana, and hemp are, are two different things, period. Never let the, the two be 
put together because the ignorant you know, public does you know, not know the difference. I'd like to st- I'd like to stop right there and say that that I believe the whole plant is medicinal. I believe the sativa, I believe the indica both have medicinal applications. I think that it would be a shame to categorize indica as being a recreational drug. I, I just don't think that's the oh, way it I'm, is. I'm with you for I'm with you for blanket um, legalization. Uh, one question though: the the hemp derived CBD is it as good as the marijuana derived CBD? That's a question I've been wondering for a long time. I do well, have CBD oil, but it's hemp derived, and I'm wondering if the if I need to illegally get some that's marijuana derived. Well, the the problem with marijuana, if you uh, like here in Colorado, when you go in and you go to a medical shop, you can see what uh, the testing is on them. Now there is there's some strains now that are coming out the crossing the CBD with the marijuana, but it's still seven percent THC, and they're getting like six percent CBD. So marijuana really doesn't have CBD in it like hemp does, and even oh, okay. the old industrial hemp that I got a hold of. Um, over in Iowa, that's the old uh, Kentucky hemp. That even has 1.75% CBDs in it to where a lot of the stuff you buy, like I said, in the medical shops, it'll say 0.1 or 0.0 CBD. And uh, unless you cross it and get the THC out of it, it's hard to find CBDs in marijuana. You know, hey, thanks, guys. Great show. Th- thanks, Chuck. You know, uh, this this half hour has traveled in a hurry. If you need to get in touch with Jimbo, it's Jim Strang at uh, GreenAcresHempFarm.com. Jimbo, I appreciate all the information, the help you've been on this program over the years to uh, enlighten people about these questions. And and I don't know how to thank you other than be your friend forever. <laughs> uh, well, Fred, we thank you for having us on the show and for what you're getting out to people and if it wasn't for you people wouldn't be hearing about it so we thank you i appreciate it guys this is captain fred we'll be back in a few minutes tuned in to the republic broadcasting network visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org homeowners are you in foreclosure expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction a huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party 
property and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Did you know that neither the American Medical Association nor the American Bar Association were established to benefit the American people? Have you recognized that in our country, health care has little to do with health and that our court system has nothing to do with justice? The priests of both medicine and law have been incentivized to implement a dark agenda on behalf of the Bilderbergers and their ilk. To protect ourselves and our progeny, we need to take a much closer look at how these two giant industries really work. Join me, Al Whitney, on In Defense of Humanity, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central, as we expose the matrix and learn how not to consent to our own destruction. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. About six months ago, my wife bought Extendivite. She didn't tell me she was giving it to me. So after about three days, I said, maybe, you know, maybe the weather's changed or something. I said, my, my, my legs feel really good. And she goes, well, I've been giving you this stuff, and it was the Extendivite. And you know that I'm about 75% better. I can actually climb stairs now, and I can get up out of chairs. I can I can even get down and, you know, I have to work under a table or a computer table and work on a computer. I can actually get back up off the floor. You know what? It's an amazing product. I can't believe I didn't think anything short of having surgery was going to help. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928. 8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Overnight. The missile knows where it is at all times. It knows this because it knows where it isn't. By subtracting where it is from where it is or where it isn't from where it is, it obtains a difference or deviation. The guidance subsystem uses deviations to generate corrective commands to drive the missile from a position where it is to a position where it isn't and arriving at a position where it wasn't, it now is. Consequently, the position where it is is now the position that it wasn't and it follows that the position that it was is now the position that it isn't. In the event that the position that it is in is not the position that it wasn't, the system has acquired a variation, the variation being the difference between where the missile is and where it wasn't. If variation is considered to be a significant factor, it too may be corrected by the GEA. However, the missile must also know where it was. 
The missile guidance computer scenario works as follows. Because a variation has modified some of the information the missile has obtained, it is not sure just where it is. However, it is sure where it isn't, within reason, and it knows where it was. It now subtracts where it should be from where it wasn't, or vice versa. And by differentiating this from the algebraic sum of where it shouldn't be and where it was, it is able to obtain the deviation and its variation, which is called error. Statesmen will invent cheap lies, putting blame upon the nation that is attacked, and every man will be glad of those conscience-soothing falsities, and will diligently study them and refuse to examine any refutions of them. And thus, he will by and by convince himself that the war is just, and will thank God for the better sleep he enjoys after the process of grotesque self-deception. Mark Twain had this nailed pretty good, and that was 130 years ago. Today, we're going to try to get a grip on what is trying to be uh, passed off as a legitimate excuse of uh, of uh, a wanton waste of projectiles. Captain Chris, you are my surrogate television watcher. What do you think? Do you think this is a waste of projectiles? Uh, no. You want to know why I don't think it's a work of projectile? <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, here's the idea. You know, all of this needs to be taken in context. If you recall, the president is involved with discussions with the North Koreans and the Iranians. The Russians, if you will recall during the Obama administration, didn't really have any hesitancy to invade in the Crimea because what they understood was there was going to be no response. So what happens is the Russians, in two moves, have attempted to uh, secure uh, warm water ports. If you know anything about Russian history and Russian military history and what their geopolitical needs are, they need warm water ports. They've got one, and I think it's called Latkia, or there's, there's another base uh, in Syria, a naval base. <clears throat> Pardon me. I forget the name of the, the, the little guy. But uh, basically what the interest of the Russians is, is that they want to be in a location where they can have shipping that doesn't have to, to engage in European or uh, projection of Russian military force, doesn't have to sail all the way around the north of Europe, you know, past Norway right, right. and well, all that well, stuff. I think most okay. people understand the logistics issue that Russia has. Okay, okay. Well, you know, the thing is, what I'm trying to establish is, you know, what is all of this about and why? You know, so you've got, like, a, a Russian understanding of, like, what it is that they need. And they have made moves to secure that that go uncontested. In other words, they've made moves to say, we are going to reserve the right to uh, project military force that was gone uncontested. That's A. B, the United States is involved with an attempt to denuclearize North Korea. C, the United States is involved in an attempt to keep the uh, Iranians, if they aren't there already, from becoming uh, a, a, a nuclear threat to the Middle East. So, the idea is this. You have a prior administration that says, if you do X, 
If you use nerve gas on civilian population, that's a red line. And if you cross that red line, you know, we're going to do something. And then what happens is that administration makes that public posture. And then what happens is Assad and or the Russians do exactly what it is that's supposed to trigger a response and nothing happens. Okay. The idea, Henry Kissinger said, you know, that uh, power is the ability to influence without going to the use of force. In other words, if, if you're involved in the use of force and violence, and as someone said, violence is the, the refuge of the incompetent. In other words, when all else fails, you get violent. You know, a mouse will get Chris, Chris, we're, we're, I'm having a problem with your line right now. You're breaking up uh, as we speak right okay. here. Well, well, this, um, you know, I am, I am where I am, and I only have the device that I have. I understand I that. I understand is, that. I just, I just want to make sure that our listeners hear what you have to say because I believe enough. you've got, a, I believe you've got a, a certain insight to this that that really uh, that is meaningful in a lot of ways. But, but I'd like to to point out one thing uh, uh, on the morning news on Russia today. They were saying that. Uh, that the uh, reason for the uh, the strike was to prevent the uh, or the goal of the strike was to prevent the chemical watchdog uh, fact finding mission in Doma, and if you go to that, the OPCW, the OPCW Twitter, uh, Twitter just said that they arrived this morning about three hours ago. Now, couldn't couldn't we have waited just a few minutes, a few hours to let somebody go in there to inspect these things that we just blew up? Well, let me ask you this, Fred. If you believe the Russians, the Russians also said that the chemical attack was staged by the British. Well, wait a second. If you believe, if you believe the the mainstream news media, is another question too. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm not talking about the mainstream media. I'm talking about what the Russians publicly stated. <clears throat> you know, my concern okay. with all of this, my concern with all of this is <clears throat> that the Russians were supposed to guarantee the lack of, of uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction, and, and it turns out that nerve gas is one of them, from um, being used, and particularly using uh, nerve gas on a civilian population is a war crime. Now, the Russians were supposed to guarantee this, and there may be some sort of loophole about the use of chlorine gas, you know, as ver- versus nerve gas, but chlorine gas, you know, kills you, but, but whatever. The point in all of this is, do we maintain a credible international presence when we say, you know, we draw a line in the sand and you respect that? Or do, do we, and that's the use of power versus the use of force and violence. Because if people don't recognize our power and respect the power that we have, we're only reduced to using force against them. And what I'm trying to suggest is, I don't like the foreign involvement of U.S. military. But on the other hand, I don't like having international presence and activities that are are, are engineered or sponsored by people like Kim jong uh, Vladimir Putin, those clowns in uh, Tehran, uh, to, 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 or ISIS, you know, to run the planet unchecked because that well, those interests are against ours. 
Well, Chris, you you must have seen the uh, the proof of chemical gas that they had to invade this because I haven't seen any proof yet. Well, well, Fred, you know it depends on you know when you have an argument, you get down to what are what facts are facts, what logic is logic is easier to uh, pick apart than what are facts are facts. The only thing I can tell you is somehow the British, the French, and the United States acted in concert. So what this tells me is, is that this isn't any kind of harebrained idea from Donald Trump doing this by himself. Somehow, the governments of three Western democracies came to the conclusion that what was going on merited a response. And here's, here's what the point, another point. You know, Assad did this before. We told them, you know, before he did that, if you do this kind of thing, we're going to kick your ass. And what happens? He did it, and we launched a strike. And a year later, he does it again. So what do you do? Well, I don't know, Chris. Uh, that's that's what my well, point is. Is that well? Let me there ask you a question. Two weeks ago, President Trump said that he was pulling out of Syria. Okay. And and so why would why would and this is a common question? Why would uh, Assad gas his own people right after he had everybody on the run anyway? Well, you know, the, I, we're probably not privy to the local political and military concerns. You know, for if you look at the history of the Russians, if you look at the, the history of, of the Middle East, the fracturing of political interests in those areas are such that, you know, that the Muslims kill other Muslims. There are factions within factions within factions. One day, people are friends. The next day, they're trying to kill each other. I, I really don't know what all that's about. But here's, here's the bright line. Under international law, gassing civilian populations, regardless of what faction they support, is a no-no. You don't do that. Agreed. International Agreed. law makes, makes the person who does that a war criminal. And that person, and I don't believe, you know, I'm not a real big follower of, you know, like international tribunals. But the point is, other people are, you know, and it turns out that that type of conduct gets somebody like Assad before a world uh, uh, court to be punished for, uh, you know, genocide or, you know, attacks on, it's a war crime. Well, I agree so, with that. But what would be the, what would be the, what would be the, the objective of, of blowing up the facilities that an inspection group is going to inspect the day before they get there? Well, because the point is that the gas attack had already occurred. That's my mind. And well, I really it's not been established that it was a gas attack. Well, that's your that's question. What they're the there, that's what they're to establish. That's, what, that's your questioning of the facts. And frankly, I really don't care. And here's the point. If we're sending a message to Assad, if we're sending a message to Kim Jong-un, the Iranians, the Russians, and by the way, the Russians haven't done anything. Remember, oh my God, we're going to be in a war. We're going to be in a war with North Korea. Oh, Trump, he's just... No, we're not. And the Russians didn't do anything. You know, the well, point well, uh, on, this on stuff all is, of the Listen, on all of the Russian media, no one's saying that either. You're right. They're not. The Russians aren't going into that. Why are we the ones that are doing it? Because we've got political interests that are served by telling people we mean business. And we may have had eight years with some clown who would say, say stuff and threaten stuff 
and put troops in places and then subject those troops to danger by behaviors and the lack of credibility, that's not us anymore. That's not who we are. If we tell you we're going to do X, we're going to do X. What do you think Kim Jong-un just figured out? <laughs> I, think, I think Kim Jong-un was already in line to, uh, to negotiate. Well, he, well I, I bet he's even more in line now. You know, the oh, idea is, is that if, if this guy, this guy Trump, you can't assume that he's just talking. Now, people will say, oh, he just runs off at the mouth. And by the way, I'm going to go back and tell you, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. Oh, uh, you I said that. You I know does. that. I know that. Uh, you know, but, but the thing is, I have to respect the fact that there are things that he, he represents and there are things that he says he's going to do, and I wouldn't discount what he says he's going to do. And that is a geopolitical PowerPoint. And by I, I the way, that's exactly what we you. need. I agree and with that's you. What we need. I agree with you about that whole scenario right there, but your your line is definitely cracking up a little bit. I'm going to play this next clip and Chris, can you please call back in and see if we can get a clear connection, please? Uh, I'll do that. Uh Kim uh let's see, Sam, can I'm you play up. that clip that I had up? Right. I'll call you back, Fred. All right, please call back I'll in. Call you back. Yeah, I think that clip's ready there. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, sometimes technical difficulties take uh, precedence, but uh, we're going to worm through this one. This has been a quick show today. We've got a lot of information we're trying to get out. Are you ready? Here we go. The way money is spent in this country is really obscene. There was a breakdown of weapons in the paper about a week ago in an effort so that the ordinary person in the street could understand what's going on. The stealth fighter, is it the the, uh, F-18? The F-18A sitting there on the runway costs $110 million dollars. You know what you can buy if you have $110 million on the civilian market? You can buy the Trump princess. That's what the Trump princess cost. Listen to me about your acquisition of the boat this summer. The princess? Is that well, what I call it? I bought it? a boat from Adnan Khashoggi, which was formerly called the Nabila. And Nabila. It's a yacht. Nabila. He bought it from Adnan Khashoggi. the world's largest arms trader? I hate to admit it. Well, now we think of All Trump. Right. As All right, Chris. Chris is back here. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you heard that little clip there, but that was Trump saying that he bought his boat from the largest arms dealer in the world, Aiden and Khashoggi. Now that was in 1984. Do you think he's uh, absolved all those uh, arms dealing friends of his, or do you think maybe these missiles are just another way to to sign a new order? I, I don't understand the question. You know, do, do I think that he's linked up with arms dealers? I think well, that every government, you know, I, I think every government it, has got some necessity to be connected to arms dealers. Well, I think, well, Aiden Khashoggi was the largest arms dealer in the world. And, you know, he didn't get that from dealing arms from from little uh, gun companies. He got it from dealing arms from uh, Lockheed. And he was selling F-16s to Saudis. But that was back then. And now it seems like these cruise missiles, every time we shoot off a bunch of them, we're talking about $100 million, aren't we? 
or maybe maybe more than that. Who knows what an no, operation? No, I, 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 I don't think that cruise missiles run a hundred million dollars. I'd say that well, two no, or three million a, dollars in a pot. He shot a hundred. Well, he shot a hundred of them. That's two hundred million. Okay, well, that's well, good well, that works. But but here's here's the difference. You know, if you have to project force in some other way by putting troops on the ground or putting military equipment on the ground. I think that somebody talked about the cost of, you know, an F-18 or an F-22 or one of those, you know, uh, an M-A-1A Abrams or, you know, or A-1 or 1A-1, whatever the initials are. No, one of those tanks gets taken out. You know, it's it's the cost of that. And, and you've got to get the tank there. You've got to get people in the tank. And right. you've got to get people who can fuel the tank. So the idea, if you can project force without putting troops on the ground in the area, more power to you. Well, it does, it's not free to launch those missiles either. I mean, you know, it, just, it just getting them, just getting them in the air costs a lot of money. Okay, but but let me go back to what I'm suggesting: that the display of power in the way that it was displayed and the message that it sends to you know people like Kim Jong Un and the Iranians and the Russians, it tells them. You are not free to do whatever you want in contravention of treaties that you've entered into, agreements that you have with this government, or the the, the uh, uh, how shall I say the standards of uh, you know international uh, conduct in terms of uh, being a war criminal or engaging in those activities. You're not free to do that anymore. You can't be ISIS and sell little girls on the internet. We're not going to put up with it. And now, do we have an obligation to police the world? Some people will say no. And I say it's, it's at some level, it's a cost-benefit analysis. If it doesn't benefit us in some direct fashion, my question is, what and why? But in this instance, I don't think there's much of a question. I think we're sending a message to exactly the people we, meet, we need to send a message to, to tell them, look, we mean business. And if you want to run your nuclear program out of North Korea, don't be so sure that what just happened to the Assad with the Russians right next to him, don't be so sure that what happened to Assad, Kim Jong-un, couldn't happen to you even though the Chinese are right next to you. But don't think that that message is lost on the North Koreans or the Iranians. You know, well, you believe, you believe probably- that this is... This is uh, this is just Trump stepping up to enforce his position in the world of with all of his negotiations. Maybe um, uh, I think this is John Bolton being being that to the president and telling him exactly what I'm telling you. Well, John Bolton, uh, he was the guy that had the last chemical uh, weapon reaction, wasn't he? I, I think he was on Fox News. Like, no, John Bolton. John Bolton was uh, the uh, the secretary that launched the missile attack uh, in two thousand and three, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I, I'm not sure what missile attack we're talking about. But let, let me let me give you a difference. You know, once upon a time, the Clinton administration launched the missile attack. You know, to get stuff off the off the uh, Monica Lewinsky uh, grand jury off the front page, and he attacked, if I recall correctly, an infant formula factory. <laughs> you know, there was no justification for that. On the other hand, on top of all of that, uh, he did it unilaterally. So you take a look at who you're dealing with, what the message is, and what the rationale for the activity is. And, you know, I don't like foreign involvement of American military forces. 
But if we can project power cost effectively and send a message like we just did, um, I'm not saying that I think it's a great idea, but it sure beats sending ground troops in. I'd like to send a message to Bank of America and tell them that I'd like them to, (laughs) you know, wouldn't you? I mean, come on. We can't can't just bomb the shit out of somebody because we want to send them a message. And the message that I have is that why couldn't we have waited another weekend instead of launching an attack on Friday night? Why couldn't we have waited a weekend and let those investigators go in there and, and see if there was really actually a chemical weapons attack there? Don't you think the timing's just a little bit weird? Not particularly. I, you know, I, I don't know. This is a, a fact question, and I don't know all the facts. All I can tell you is the net result of all of this stuff I'm okay with. We didn't okay. lose any American troops. We spent some money, but we didn't lose any American personnel. The capacity of the uh, Assad uh, uh, gang to gas people has been reduced. The Russians didn't react, and they've got to kind of justify, you know, uh, with with, the, with their uh, vassals, uh, you know, what it is that they're willing to do and when and how. Uh, the North Koreans probably picked up a pretty strong message here. And, and so I think that this is a competent use. I'm not saying I'm all in favor of this. I, you know, the use of military force is always something that should be undertaken very with a lot of circumspection. But uh, I, I don't have a particular problem with it. <laughs> well, I think we must have skipped our uh, last break there for a minute there. But, um, well, the, it's just like Twain said, we're arguing about something we really don't know if, if that we what the facts are we i mean we can't we argue don't have about the something no, we, don't. we don't have the I information agree i agree with you you know we, we and and well, and I think you're right about that. It does it does establish a particular stance or position for the United States in the world, but I'm not sure if that's totally good. I mean, if if the world is afraid to move or do anything because uh, if we feel like we're justified to launch an attack on a country only because of the information that we don't know yet. Nobody knows that yet. Uh, you know, I think that I think that we're we may be treading on some some thin ice here. Uh, you well, know, just because, you just let, wait. Let, let me finish. Let me just because, no, just okay, because yeah, Russia. No. Let me finish. Just because Russia has not reacted to what happened, doesn't mean they're not reacting to what's happened. Just because we don't know it, doesn't mean it's not. Well, just because we don't know something doesn't mean anything is you know, anything's possible. But but here's the point. We I would say that they're beginning. Power. I'd say they're reacting to it. What, and you're, and you're, saying, you're saying how they're reacting is with more respect. Well, of course they are. And the, the reason is, is I want you to compare the Obama administration and how they handled stuff with what's going on today. And there's just no comparison. Uh, you know what? Next no week, comparison. Next week, we'll know more about what's going on. And this is the end of the show for the day. This is Captain Fred. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Fun day. We'll see you, Chris. Where it isn't from where it is. It obtains a difference or deviation. The guidance subsystem uses deviations to generate corrective commands to drive the missile from a position where it is to a position where it isn't and arriving at a position where it wasn't. It now is. Consequently, the position where it is is now the position that it wasn't, and it follows that the position that it was is now the position that it isn't.
In the event that the position that it is in is not the position that it wasn't, the system has acquired a variation, the variation being the difference between where the missile is and where it wasn't. If variation is considered to be a significant factor, it too may be corrected by the GEA. However, the missile must also know where it was. The missile guidance computer scenario works as follows. Because a variation has modified some of the information the missile has obtained, it is not sure just where it is. However, tired of being lied to by mass media? It's growing more and more apparent today that news is received less and less through standard media outlets. Even with a growing audience every day, RBN is beginning to direct more efforts into social media. Social media and the use of the Internet is fast becoming the primary source of people for news, regardless of demographic. RBN has set out to provide some of the best news on the Internet through republicbroadcasting.org and also has begun to use the tools to our advantage by way of social media. Republic Broadcasting is now operating a Facebook page to function as yet another avenue to have our collective voice reach new audiences across not only America, but across the globe as well. The Facebook page features not only news, but also an RBN player to listen to our broadcast. Get involved by visiting Facebook.com slash Republic Broadcasting and liking our page and share it with your friends and family because you can handle the truth. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. truth, truth.